before we start, I just want to say, Carly, thank you so much for being um, up for sharing today. Um, what Carly's sharing is a really personal and vulnerable story. And um, don't, you haven't shared it publicly like this before, have you? And um, I have to warn you, um, Carly and I had lunch to go through everything and I kept crying. Um, so get your tissues out. But we just want to um, just acknowledge how much of a big deal this is and just thank you and Tom for, for um, honoring us by sharing this with us and being so brave as well. Um, we are all for you. We are all so up for hearing this and um, we just want to thank you for that. Um, so before we kick off, as I said, you're married to Tom, who is downstairs in Takahe with Theo, um, who is four years old, and you have Jack, who is six years old. And so we are going to talk about the journey that you have been on over the past few years. And before we start, we're going to kick off with this photo of you and Theo. Um, can you tell us a bit more about this picture? Yeah. Um, hi, everyone. Um, so this photo was taken exactly two years ago today, it was Mother's Day, um, and we were standing outside Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, um, and we'd been there for just over a week, I think, and prior to that, Theo had been in Starship for about two months, and that day was the first day he was allowed outside off the ward um, since the end of February, um, and it was mid-May. Um, he had just been too sick, basically. So it was a really memorable Mother's Day. I think he was only out there for 20 minutes or so. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty special day. Yeah. So you're in Melbourne, it's Mother's Day, probably not the Mother's Day that you necessarily, when he was born, thought you'd kind of Mother's Day you'd be having. Um, but this story started back in February 2019 when you were on holiday, a family holiday in Waiheke. Um, do you want to go from there? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it was just before Theo's second birthday, um, the end of February, and we were on a ferry going over to Waiheke for a holiday, and we bought the boys an ice cream each, and Theo um, vomited straight after his ice cream, which we at the time we didn't think much of. Um, but then from there, he just kind of went downhill, um, and kind of the main things were he was extremely lethargic, he just wanted to sleep all the time, um, he was vomiting randomly, he wasn't eating... Um, and we were on holiday, so it wasn't, wasn't ideal. Um, so we took him to the local GP over at Waiheke probably three or four times over that week because we couldn't figure out what was going on, um, and they couldn't figure it out either. Um, and I think it was the fourth time we took him to the doctor. They basically said, just take him straight to Starship because we don't know what's going on, and they knew that it was serious, but they, they just couldn't figure it out. So we um, left Jack over at Waiheke with Tom's dad and me and Tom and Theo jumped on the ferry, went over to Starship. Tom went straight back to Waiheke to be with Jack, so I was on my own that night. Um, and the first doctor we saw thought it was a UTI, like a urine infection. Um, and, but, so they wanted to get a urine sample. Um, and so we were there... I think eight hours, and he still hadn't passed any urine. Um, and that was kind of the first indication that there was something seriously wrong. Um, and then a senior doctor walked in, um, took one look at the way Theo was breathing, and sent him straight for an X-ray. And that's when they saw that his heart was um, quite enlarged. Yeah. And just off the back of this, it wasn't like... Um you know, Theo had been ill throughout his childhood or anything like that. He hadn't, you know, there'd be nothing. It'd just been that holiday, hadn't it? And yeah, that just was just, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So you're that night, you're on your own in the hospital. You're without Tom. You're just with Theo. It's late night. You've had a full week of it. And you're told, you know, that his heart has enlarged. But mm. it's full on news for you to take. But you weren't actually on your own, were you? No. Um, I don't know if he's here. He's not. He's working. Because oh, he's the kind of guy that he is. He's saving um, people's so lives. So Tim Hill, who um, goes to this church, um, he's a doctor. He just happened to be on that night. Um, and he saw Theo's name on the whiteboard. And he kind of came straight to find me. And he was actually the one that broke the news to me that Theo had um, cardiomyopathy, which is a, an enlarged heart. So, um, and that he was basically in severe heart failure and that's why he was really unwell. And he, Tim was also with me when we called Tom. I think it was about midnight and we had to call him and tell Tom the news, which was the hardest call I've probably ever made. Um, and it was so amazing having Tim there. He was just the perfect person. He was so empathetic. He knows us. He knows our boys you know, the fact he's a Christian. Um, and Tim was actually the one that told Tom, wasn't he? Yeah, to- yeah. Tim, Tim told Tom. I was such a mess <laughs> that Tim was actually the one that, yeah, told Tom. And, but yeah, so I wish Tim was here. But <laughs> um, so, and for those of you who don't know, Tim is, I've been in hospital when Tim's on there, and he's just the loveliest, kindest, most genuinely lovely person. So it's not just that he's any old doctor, it's also just that it's Tim. Yeah. Because he is just an, such an amazing guy. So you could almost, it was almost like the perfect pediatrician to be on that night. Um, and so you're in Starship Hospital. You've just been given, you know, the m- biggest news ever. You weren't expecting anything like that. Do you even know what was even going through your mind? Do you even remember? Um, I was just in shock. Mm-hmm. I was quite numb. Um, Theo just went, he went straight to ICU um, and they hooked him up to a medication um, which was kind of designed to stabilise his heart and it was like they had to put an IV line in and it was basically an infusion, a constant infusion um, and within a few hours he actually perked up so that was quite encouraging Um, and... Yeah, but no, I was just in shock. I was overwhelmed, um, didn't sleep that night. Tom didn't sleep that night, obviously. Um, Tom came over the next day, and my parents took Jack home with them. Um, and the next few days were just like a blur of doctor meetings. Um, they told us they didn't know how long we'd be there for. They knew it would be a long time, but we didn't know if it would be weeks or months. Um, and they also said that the worst-case scenario was that Theo would need a heart transplant and that if he needed a heart transplant, we would have to go to Melbourne because they don't do heart transplants in children under four in New Zealand. Um, So that was a real shock to hear, but they said it was worst case scenario, so we just kind of parked it. Um, And our hope was that he would just stabilise on medication and be able to go home with us. So it's almost like you couldn't even go there really to be able to cope. You had to kind of just park that there and get on with the now and take the each day of time. And, I mean, this might seem like such a big question, but, you know, as a mother, what what were you thinking? Like, you know, what was going through your mind? You know, you as a mother, you never think this kind of thing is going to happen. But also, like, practically, what was what was life – what did it look like for you for the next couple of months? Yeah, um, I mean, I was obviously terrified. Um, but like Mary was saying, I just didn't let myself look too far into the future. Um, it was – kind of like taking it one day at a time and then 
some days it was one hour, one minute at a time, just surviving really. Um, but practically, Theo, um, he stabilised, so he went up to the heart ward um, and they were just really trying to get the medication right to see if his heart would improve. Um, and me and Tom were tag teaming, so we'd take turns staying with, hospi- with um, Theo in the hospital and then the, um, on the other night we'd be with Jack. Um, so it was pretty exhausting. Um, my parents helped out, Tom's parents helped out as much as possible. Um, yeah, but, you know, you get used to hospital life. Um, we got to know the staff really well and the other families up there. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was pretty exhausting and yeah. overwhelming. How many, I mean, like, how many months do you think over those two years, how many, were you doing that tag team thing for? Oh, six, maybe eight months. It's still on. Uh, yeah, we had, there were a few kind of, yeah, you'll hear soon, but, yeah, yeah. a few breaks. Between, but, um, but, yeah, we ate, uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, anyone that's been in months. hospital, I mean, I, five days when I had a newborn, we were tag teaming, it's just unbelievable to be thinking of what that looks like on a day to how that affects your family life your marriage all of that it's so full-on yeah all of that and um, so you're living between starship and you're living between home and you're kind of hoping things hoping and praying that things would improve but they didn't and so then you're told the news that you know what you didn't want to hear yeah, so unfortunately Theo's heart um, wasn't improving on the medication. Um, there were a couple of really scary moments where he got sent down to Piku um, because he just wasn't doing well. Um, and so they got to the, the doctors got to a point where they, um, they told us that a heart transplant was the only option for Theo. Um, and I just remember feeling sick. It was just such an overwhelming thought, not just the transplant and getting my head around that, but the fact that we'd have to go to Melbourne and what that kind of meant for our lives. Yeah. And um, obviously to, for a child to have a heart transplant, it's not just a simple thing. If they need a heart transplant and that happens, it's like a big process that goes into that, which <clears throat> very soon we're not going to go into now. But basically you had, um, you know, you weren't necessarily going to, he wasn't necessarily going to be able to receive one. So you had this two weeks of limbo mm. from being told that you need a heart transplant to actually receiving the news. Can you tell me about the moment when you found out? Yeah, um, yeah. so those two weeks are probably the worst two weeks of my life. We knew he needed the transplant. We knew that was the only option for him. But because it was a bit of a logistical nightmare going over to Melbourne, we didn't know if we'd be able to go. And, that, and we didn't know if Theo was going to get sicker. And so it was awful. Um, but then, thankfully, we... We did get approval to go, and we found out on, I think it was a Wednesday night, that we got the news, which was just the biggest relief. Um, but then we were told we were going to be flying out on Sunday morning, so we had like three or four days to sort kind of get out, to just sort our life out, basically. So yeah. you had four days yeah. to move, but you still had a house that needed mm. sorting out so that you could rent it out. Mm. Um and obviously everyone here at St. Augustine's was majorly praying for you guys. And, um, but practically, you also had things that needed doing as well. So what happened with all of that side of things? Yeah, um, so we decided to rent our house out. Um, we were told we were going to be in Melbourne for about six months. Um, so a group of amazing friends and people from this church kind of um, packed our house up and cleaned it and got it ready for tenants, Um, yeah, which was just amazing. Like, we just didn't have time to do any of that. 
Um, and then we also decided to leave Jack with my parents um, just for a couple of weeks, um, just so that me and Tom could um, just focus on Theo and getting him settled into the hospital. So Jack stayed back with my parents and then they flew out a few weeks later. Um, so it was really hard um, leaving Jack, um, but it was the best decision in this circumstance, I think. So, yeah. And so, but when you go there, you get given a house, little house, crossroad yep. from the hospital, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. Um, but all of this, how, like, obviously you're not in control in any of this situation. You've been told your, heart, your, baby, your child needs a heart transplant. You're leaving your house. You're not having anything to do with packing it up. You're not really getting a chance to say goodbye to people. You're leaving Jack with your mum and dad. Um, everything is out of your control. Mm. And, I mean, you're relying on totally on other people. Mm. And what was that like? It was a really strange feeling. Um, Kind of every plan that we had just was thrown out the window. You know, we were planning to renovate our house that year. Um, We had to put our careers on hold. Um, All our plans for the future, we just had no idea what was going to happen and when. We didn't know how long we were going to be in Melbourne for. It could have been a year or two. Um, So it was a very, it's hard, it's actually hard to put it in words how it felt, Um, but I guess we just had to rely on God in a whole new way, really. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, again, the other crazy thing about it is the timing of all of this and how that all relates to COVID and whatnot. Do you want to um, share about that? Yeah. Um, well, part of the reason why they wanted us to go so quickly over to Melbourne is that Theo was, he was still really sick, but he was well enough to travel. Um, and so they didn't want him to go downhill and then be too sick basically, to go. Um, And then the other thing is because it was during that really short travel bubble between Australia and New Zealand, um, which was incredible timing looking back, because if it had been a week or two earlier or later, I mean, I'm sure we still would have got there, but it may have been a lot more difficult. Um, So it was... Yeah, it was amazing timing. And then... um, And even Jack and my parents, they came out two weeks after... And I think it was only a week or two after that that they shut the borders down with Delta hitting. Um, and Melbourne went into lockdown and New Zealand went into lockdown um, not long after that. So um, we feel really grateful that Jack made it over because I keep thinking, imagine if he was stuck in New Zealand and we were in Melbourne and he couldn't come. So, um, yeah, it was looking back, it was almost like everything was lining up for Theo to go during that short window. Yeah. And so you're in Melbourne, it's the 1st of May 2021, in your new Ronald McDonald house. Yeah. Um, the border shut, which meant that your parents were staying, with the, <laughs> which was, thank you, Lord Jesus, for blessing Carly and Tom with the parents <laughs> as well. Um, so they were there as well, and they had their own place as well. So you're adjusting to this new life, Jack's adjusting to this, mm-hmm. you know, Jack is four years old at this time. Is he four or four at that time? Yeah. And he's um, left his life as well. You know, it's a big deal for him. And he started a new kindy. Um, So what was your, what did day to day look like in Melbourne for you? Um, Yeah. So we were living across the road from the hospital at, um, so Ronald Ronald McDonald House. Um, They gave us like a little apartment and my parents, so when my parents came over, they didn't know how long they were going to stay. Um, at that point, the travel bubble was in place, so they thought they'd maybe come, you know, backwards and forwards 
but they just decided to stay, which was amazing for us. Um, so they just rented an apartment up the road. Um, and so they were awesome. They, um, I mean, me and Tom was, were still tag teaming. Theo was in hospital. Um, but Dad made us dinner every night. Um, he learned how to cook, well, yeah, cook really well, which is awesome. My parents are here, by the way. Um, and, yeah, so that took a lot of pressure off us. Um, my mum stayed with Theo up at the hospital every third night, which meant that me and Tom could actually have a night together and spend some time with Jack. Um, yeah, so I don't know how we would have done it without them. Um, yeah, and look, life was working with we were in lockdown, so there wasn't much we could do. But then on the other hand, we were kind of full of adrenaline and really on edge because Theo was on the wait list for a new heart and we didn't know when that call would come through. So, And he was still quite sick. And, yeah, so it was quite a strange existence. But, you know, we got to know some local cafes. Luckily, the cafes didn't close during their lockdown. Um, and then there was an amazing park that we... Um, kind of walked around to get time out. Um, but life was really just spent between hospital and our little apartment, yeah. And did you, um, were you able to like make friends? Was Jack able to make friends? Yeah, Jack, um, he, made, he made some friends at the kindy, but yeah, it took a while for Jack to settle in. Yeah. I think he was going through a big transition himself. And how about so. you guys? Did you make friends? Yeah, yeah, we, um, we got connected with some amazing people. Um, we actually got to know a family. So we were in a different apartment when we first arrived. We got to know a family who had kids the same age as our kids. Um, we just, yeah, I mean, people connected us with different people, which was awesome. So, yeah. So yeah. Um, Theo's two, um, mm. almost three, but his life is in a hospital bed. Most two or three-year-olds are running around, having temperature tantrums. Being a bit crazy, you're dealing, they're dealing with life and growing up and everything that's around for a, that a two-year-old does. How was Theo in that existence? Um, he, he was amazing. Um, he was so adaptable, I guess. Um, the hospital, in a way, it kind of became his playground. Um, at Starship, he actually wasn't allowed off the ward, but when we went to Melbourne, um, they let him go off the ward and then also into the park that the hospital was in. So we were actually given a pram by a local church. You can see it there. And so we'd put him in there and he was on a constant IV infusion. And so we kind of put that in the bottom of the pram and um, and we'd cruise around the hospital, cruise around the park, meet up with my parents and Jack in the park. Um, yeah, so um, the play specialists were amazing. They helped out a lot. Um, he obviously spent lots of time on his iPad, but you know, I look back and I look back at the photos, and there's actually a lot of smiles. Like I think overall, apart from probably some uncomfortable procedures or feeling a bit sick sometimes, he was quite happy a lot of the time, and everyone loved him. So yeah, and um, this is slightly off yeah. script. Mm. Um, I was just thinking, you know, with it being COVID, and obviously Melbourne were in a strict lockdown. Do you think that made it? easier in a way because other people were you know you're not yeah. missing out on life so much and it felt a bit safer or? in a way it did um I mean everyone were wearing masks so it took away that pressure of you know it would yeah we didn't want obviously him to pick up anything else and um but yeah in a way it's like we didn't have the energy to be yeah going and doing anything so the fact that it was in lockdown in a way just made life a bit simpler so yeah yeah um, so you're in Melbourne, you're waiting for a new heart, you've got no idea how long it's going to take, so you're told the average 
wait is six months, but then you know people on the ward who've been waiting 18 months. Um, and I know, especially for you as a mother, that whole process of waiting for a heart was super emotional. Do you want to share about that? Yeah, it was, it was a really uncertain time. Um, we got to know some other um, families on the ward and they'd been up there for, you know, there was one girl who'd been up there for 18 months and she was still waiting for a heart. So basically you're waiting for the right match and we just didn't know when that would be for Theo. Um, so, yeah, there was a, it was just a real kind of the word that I always come back to, it was just a really heavy weight because we knew that um, a, a child basically had to lose their life in order for Theo to, to live, which was just such a hard um, tension and it was really hard to reconcile that. Um, and it was really difficult to know what to pray and when to pray or how to pray. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But you had, I mean, what's so incredible is that, you know, you had armies of people all over the world, yeah. people that didn't know you praying for you. And um, here at St. Augustine's, it was so amazing. The kids were able to kind of make you cards mm. and we could support you on Mother's Day and Father's Day um, from us. But, you know, it was, as you say, it was such a tough time dealing with that emotionally, yourselves, having to look after Theo, and also probably also having carrying the burden of other people worrying mm. about you as well. It's a lot to go through. Mm. But then you did um, have some good news, and you were told that you were able to go home. I mean, Carly, it was funny when Carly said this, she said, you're able to go home. And I was like, home across the road to the hospital. <laughs> um, you know, but that was, that's what life was like, because yeah. you were in this, you were in a ward, mm. and even just being able to move home, even mm. though it's not your actual home, to yeah. the house across the road, felt like such a wind, didn't it? Oh, it was amazing. Um, so Theo had been in hospital, including Starship, for six months at that point. Um, and they told us... So Theo, I think he really surprised the doctors. Um, they, He was still obviously very sick, but he was quite stable. And so they told us that he could come and live with us over at Ronald McDonald House. And at first we were terrified um, because we'd gotten used to having the doctors and nurses there all the time. Um, but we kind of got our heads around it and they gave us lots of training on how to give him his medications and at that time he wasn't really eating so he was fed through a tube um, and so we learned how to like hook that up. Um, we also had a nurse that came and checked on him every morning. Um, but yeah, it was amazing because it just gave us the opportunity to be a family again um, and I think it was really good for Theo's, just his kind of his physical and mental health and also for Jack as well having his brother back um, but yeah it, it was I think like I said he really surprised the doctors um, the the kind of the head transplant doctor said in his 30 year career that less than five kids with a heart condition as serious as Theo's um, had been able to go home so it was kind of a miracle in itself yeah yeah um, so you were, your prayer was that he would have a new heart by the end of the year mm -hmm. and then you got a phone call. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so it was, um, we'd been praying that that Theo would have a new heart by the end of the year and the end of the year was kind of creeping up um, and I remember going to bed one night and just, I kind of felt like I was at breaking point I think um, 
Theo, I was kind of knew he was going downhill. He had actually vomited the night before, and I remember just crying out to God, just saying, like, this just has to happen. Like, it, I would just... And the vomiting is often a sign yeah, that their hearts... Yeah, exactly. The vomiting's a sign that he's really struggling. Um, and so, yeah, I went to bed that night just really crying out, and then my phone rang at 3.30 that morning um, saying that they'd found a match for Theo, and they basically asked us to bring him to the hospital at 6 a.m., so my parents rushed over to be with Jack, we took Theo up, and then he went into theatre at 8 o'clock, yeah. So it must be, so you've had all this time of, from him, from the beginning, from him being sick, to being in Auckland, to being in Melbourne, you've waited for this, you've had all the emotions to do this, and then the day's finally there. I mean, this might, you know, how did that even feel? Can you even remember what was that day like? Yeah, that, so that photo is actually us walking into theatre um, on that day. So, yeah, um, it was every emotion all at once. It was kind of fear because it was such a major surgery. It was relief. It was hope. But then a lot of sadness, just knowing what, another family were going through kind of at that moment. Um, Yeah, so it was a very surreal day. Um, The surgery was about eight hours long, and so we just tried to distract ourselves as best we could. Um, Yeah, so like I said earlier, we we got to know some people pretty well over there, and one of them was an amazing guy, another another Tim, actually. Um, He was a pastor from Hillsong Church, who Holly Brooker actually kind of connected us to. And he um, he was there from day one. Like, he was such an amazing guy. Um, he just was consistently there for us. Um, he It was his church that donated the pram for CO. They dropped meals off for us. They were just really present. And he came and spent the day with us, um, the day that Theo was having his transplant. And then there was also another family, I think I mentioned the family that we met. They actually weren't Christians, but they had two kids the same age and as our kids, and they came and spent the day with us as well. And so, yeah, it's just quite amazing who God places in your life, you know, just at the right time. So, um, so that was really cool. Um, yeah, but we got the call that, I think it was about seven o'clock at night, or maybe, oh no, it might have been a bit earlier. Anyway, it was about eight hours. We got the call to say that the surgery went well and that um, his new heart was beating, which wow. was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So what happens after that? What's the process of, you know, he's had the heart put in, it's beating. What does it look like for his recovery? Yeah, so he was in ICU for about three or four days um, and the surgery went really well. Um, but he was in hospital, I think, for about three weeks after that, just in recovery. He was, even though the surgery, surgery went well, it was still a major operation, so he was in a lot of pain, which was hard. Um, but the main thing that they're looking for is any sign of rejection, um, so that, yeah, so basically um, he's on quite strong immunosuppressant medication so that his body won't reject the new heart. Um, so um, they're keeping a really close eye on him basically for those first few months and um, so we basically had to stay in Melbourne for another three months after the surgery before they were happy for us to come home Um, and there was one episode of rejection I think it was a month after Um, so they basically do biopsies where they check 
the cells for rejection and that was, yeah, that was quite scary but then I think quite normal at that stage so they just increased his meds and then things kind of settled down, yeah. So then yeah. you're told you can go back home yeah. um, but you're going back to New Zealand at peak COVID time yeah. and it must be kind of strange, obviously you've had this whole time of him being sick and then, um, you know, having to be careful and then suddenly you're kind of out you're allowed back home into the free world type thing. But it is COVID time. So what was what was that whole experience like? Um, I mean, it was amazing to go home, but it was, um, I think that was like a week, uh, a week or two after we got home. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit scary. Like we'd been away for 11 months um, and that was when COVID was really hitting, it was really ramping up in New Zealand. And we just didn't know what COVID would mean for Theo. None of us had had it. Um, and so, yeah, and I think when we arrived, most of our friends and family actually had COVID, so we could, it, took, it took us a while to see anyone, um, but yeah, it was amazing to be back at our house, and it had been fully set up um, by probably the same people that kind of pack, packed our house up 11 months earlier, so um, yeah, so I just wanted to mention Sarah and Holly who were here. So they were amazing at just driving that for us. Um, our pantry and fridge was full of food. Um, there were presents for the kids and it was, yeah, we felt really, um, even though we didn't see people for a while, we felt really welcome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you've arrived back and you're back home, you're in your own house, you're in your home country, but your lives have totally changed. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I'm sure there's just so much to kind of been to process and reflect on during this time. And obviously we're sitting here in church telling this story, but we haven't really talked about God in that sense and um, kind of God on this journey for those two years. And you had so many people praying for you, you know that you knew that you were being looked after spiritually, but what was it actually like for you personally in your relationship with God and the kind of the faith journey you were on yourself apart from anyone else praying for you? Yeah, um, yeah. I think I'm still processing it from a faith perspective, but looking back, yeah, it was, I think I said earlier, it was really hard to pray, um, but I really had to trust that other people were praying, um, and and I knew they were. Um, someone, actually, someone had a picture, I can't even remember who it was, but someone had a picture of a spotlight from heaven shining down on Theo and our situation. Um, that's how many people were praying for us. And I just remember when I couldn't pray, I'd just kind of have that in my mind and it, it was really encouraging for me. Um, yeah, and I did, I did go through, I remember when Theo was living with us and we were leading up, we we're coming up to a checkup where they do an echo to check his heart and I remember, um, pray, like, yeah, praying for, I guess, the ultimate miracle that, you know, imagine if they did an echo and his heart was back to normal. And that was quite challenging for my faith. You know, did I really believe that God could heal him? Um, so that was, yeah, that was really challenging. Um, but obviously the ultimate, that didn't happen. Um, but... Even though that didn't happen, God was with us in so many other ways. Um, and I just think of the timing of us going over during that travel bubble was just incredible. Um, the fact that Tim was on that night that he was diagnosed, um, 
the fact that Theo could come and live with us when that was just kind of almost unheard of. Um, and also the timing of his transplant just before the end of the year um, when I was at breaking point. Um, yeah, so God was in all of that. And then also just the people he placed in our lives to take care of us. Um, you guys, um, Hillsong Church <laughs> were amazing. Um, we truly saw church in action during that time. And um, as a song that really, the victory song? Yes. And then the other thing was there were a couple of themes that, um, that came through for us. One was um, a song had been given to me by someone which the words are, I will see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. Um, and I remember, you know, when I didn't know how to pray or what to pray, um, I had to really remind myself that it was God's battle, that it was his victory. Um, and it was kind of a reminder for me just to give up control to him. Um, and then the other theme for me was just joy, which seems a little bit um, counterintuitive, I guess, but um, a verse that someone else gave me was, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I remember when she gave it to me, I was like, how can I feel joy during this season? It's just, you know, it's a nightmare. Um, but I did feel joy in a strange way. It, you know, just the connection I felt with people, the kind of, I'd never felt love like that before um, for my family, my community. Um, yeah, and there was joy in that, and I think it did give me strength. Um, and I think, yeah, going through that as well, it just put life into perspective in such a profound way, which, again, there was kind of joy in that. So that was quite an eye-opener for me, I guess, yeah. yeah. And obviously today it's Mother's Day. Mm. Um, so how do you think this experience changed you as a mother or maybe your perception as, of motherhood as a whole? Yeah, um, again, I think I'm still processing that. Um, but I think when you have a really sick child, um, everything else falls away. All the th things that you'd normally worry about just don't matter. Um, and, you know, you'll sleep in an, in an uncomfortable hospital bed and eat bad hospital food and you'll question really scary doctors because you're just, you just want to do all you can to make your child feel better. Um, but then in saying that, I had to really let go of being a perfect mum as well because I was exhausted, I was stressed. Um, I remember there were times where I completely lost the plot and had to walk out of Theo's room and leave him screaming with a nurse on his own. And that was really hard. Um, or there were days where I just let him watch iPad all day or eat ice cream for dinner because it was easier, you know. So um, I had to give myself a lot of grace as a mum. Um, yeah, and before Theo was sick, I, I do remember, like, hearing about other kids who were seriously unwell. You know, you see the give a little pages going around or read about them in the media, and I remember thinking, how could a parent go through that? Like, it would just... It's like your greatest fear, um, and you never think it'll be you, but it was, I guess, and somehow I did cope, and um, I think we're stronger than we realise, <laughs> um, and also I guess it's made me realise that um, 
strong community is so important, especially during times of crisis, and we had that in such a profound way. Um, with our church, with our friends, God, and, you know, I, I often think about the mums up that I got to know. There were mums who were doing it alone. They had other kids who their husbands were looking after. Their husbands were working full-time. They were up in the hospital 24-7 with their kids, going to doctor's meetings alone. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, I think of them a lot. And it must have been so hard, and it does make me really grateful that me and Tom were in it fully together, and we had just so much support. Yeah. And um, just one thing you said that really struck me that um, you were saying your what was your prayer for the other kids on the ward about the heart transplants for the other kids? Oh yeah, yeah. So we got to know eight other children who were waiting for hearts um, from all over Australia, and. I remember me and Tom were praying that they would all have their heart transplants before we left and that they would all be successful. And basically, yeah, all of the, we saw all of those kids have transplants and the last one was only two weeks before we left and they were all really, um, all went really well. So, Amazing. yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously you're not just a mum to Theo, you're also a mother to Jack. Mm. And, um, you know, so, so often the focus will always go on the sick child. But how was Jack through all of this? And, you know, how is he coming out mm. on this other side as well? Yeah, he, um, I mean, he was only four, so he was young at the time. He's six now. Um, so I don't think he, he fully understood what was happening. Um, we were told that we should be honest with him, which we were. Um, but overall, gosh, he was... So resilient. Um, he was amazing. Um, I'm so grateful for my parents because me and Tom were obviously so exhausted and they were able to kind of give him the attention that we couldn't give him. Um, yeah, but he, he did so well and him, Jack and Theo have such an amazing bond. They are really close and... I, yeah, sometimes I wonder, maybe they wouldn't be as close if it wasn't for what they'd been through. So, yeah. yeah. So you're two years on. What does life look like now for the Robertson family? Um, Theo's doing remarkably well. He's um, closely monitored, obviously. He's still on immunosuppressant medication and he will be for the rest of his life. Um, and last winter was pretty rough, so he had a few um, hospital stays with lung infections. Um, but we've had a good run lately, so <laughs> hoping it stays that way. Um, but yeah, to us, he's he's a normal kid with a beautiful scar. <laughs> like he's he's not restricted from doing anything. He can play sports. He can do anything that your child can do. Um, and we just want him to live life to the full, really. Um, and we do also feel really strongly about his heart transplant. Not defining him. Um, we don't want him to be known as the kid, the heart transplant kid, <laughs> um, and for him to, I guess, feel different because of that. So that's something that we, that me and Tom feel quite strongly about. And I guess I wanted to say that here because Theo, he'll grow up in this church and he'll get to know your kids and kids can be curious. <laughs> so I guess I just wanted to put that out there that, you know, we want what he went through to be as normalised as possible. Um, 
yeah, I hope that makes sense. Um, yeah, and Jack's thriving. He's loving school. He's doing really well. Um, me and Tom are kind of just getting back into work. And, yeah, it just feels good to have normal life, really. Have some capacity back. Have capacity back, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. So I know for you one of the biggest things on this whole journey has been um, to do with the donor family. And, I mean, how did that affect you? Yeah, it, yeah like I said, it... It was a really hard thing to reconcile. Um, it was a really difficult tension. Um, we don't know anything about them, and they don't know anything about us. There's a lot of privacy, which makes sense. Um, but I do think of them a lot. And something I do know about them is that they must be incredible people because they made such a selfless, outward-focused decision during probably what was the darkest time of their lives. Um, and I just think, what amazing people. <laughs> um, not many people would make that decision. And, yeah, and I guess we just pray that somehow it will give them some comfort knowing that, you know, they lost their child, but, it did, yeah another child has life as a result, as a result of their decision. So, um, You're a pioneer for organ donation. I am, yeah. So I wanted to say, if you haven't thought about organ donation, <laughs> um, I'd encourage you to have the conversation um, because it's easier to talk about it now than when something terrible happens. And just think about Theo. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah. So how do you think this experience has changed you and how's, do you think your faith has changed because of it? Yeah, um, I think so. Um, I feel stronger. It sounds kind of cliche, but I do feel stronger as a person. I'm kind of more in tune with what's really important. Um, I feel very strongly about being there for people during hard times and even if you can't be there physically for them, you can send a message, you know. Um, I think it's always better to acknowledge what someone's going through than not. Um, and when it comes to my faith, um, I'm still processing it. I have a lot of questions. Because, um, I, I mean, yeah. there was a time when, you know, you felt angry at God. Yeah. And that's okay to feel angry at God. Yeah. And I just yeah. felt like to acknowledge that yeah. it wasn't easy, that relationship no. with God in that sense. No, it wasn't. I mean, like I said, there were, I couldn't, a lot of the time I couldn't pray. I just couldn't because it was too painful almost. Um, but yeah, it's made me realise that life is not black and white. <laughs> and yeah. <sighs> Sorry. Um, and there are no guarantees, um, but God promises to be there no matter what, um, and he definitely was there for us, so yeah, I think that's where I'll leave it. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Carly. We're going to... Um we're going to pray for um, Carly in a moment, but before we give her a massive round of applause, um, normally on um, Mother's Day, what we've done before is give out flowers to people from our congregation um, who people don't know. 
Um, but this year, Carla, you don't know about this. <laughs> what we've decided to do was to um, contact Starship Hospital, the ward that Carly was on. And we've given every single mum that's on there some tea and some biscuits from St. Augustine's as a reminder that on this day that they are loved by people. Um, and we just wanted to do that to honour, you know, what, what they did for you as well. Um, so let's give Carly a massive round of applause. <clears throat>